You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're taking some time out from our regular schedule to bring you a series of COVID-19-related shows. We know that everyone is on information overload at this point. Every day, I'm getting tons of emails, advertising webinars on everything from legal issues to employee engagement. And we don't want to add to that. What we at Workplace Perspective have in mind is to share some real stories from real people who are, like you are listeners, dealing with this novel and ever-changing environment. So for our show today, we're talking with Tia Dwyer, Chief Operating Officer at Think Together, a nonprofit organization offering high-quality learning programs and professional development for educators. We'll be talking with Tia about her experiences in dealing with COVID-19 issues in the nonprofit and educational worlds. I'm super excited to hear thoughts and insights. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Tia Dwyer. Thanks so much for having me, Teresa. We're super excited. So, Tia, we're going to do what we normally do on our show. Before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about you and what you do? Yeah, thank you. So, I'm Chief Operating Officer for Think Together, as you mentioned before, and I've been with Think Together for 11 years. I was a teacher, and then I began working in the after-school uh, area in Los Angeles for 12 years, and then I moved down here to Orange County um, to work with Think Together. We're a statewide organization, so we provide kind of wraparound services from preschool to after-school services to more than 50,000 students a day with 3,200 staff members working uh, in the schools across California. We focus on California because we believe in changing the odds for all kids. And we work really with the, the students that need the most support, uh, maybe whose families uh, fall below the, the poverty line. So really those families and students most at risk. And I love it. I've, like I said, I've been here 11 years and we do great work and we have great people. So this COVID-19 is a new challenge for us, but I'm excited to kind of talk it through with you guys about how we're approaching it. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to hear about that. It's such a crazy time, and we're hearing both positive and negative things from my clients, friends, family. But some of the most positive things I'm hearing is this growing sense of community, which I think is really cool kind of as we pull closer to home while finding sort of new and inventive ways to reach out and interact with everyone. And so it's an amazing time despite all the challenges. And speaking of that, let's just jump right into it. So talk about, you've said you know, uh, California-wide, 3,200 staff. So let's talk about some of the initial challenges that impacted the organization when all of this sort of hit. You know, I feel like the first challenge really was how fast it progressed. 
I mean, we pulled together a task force and we had, you know, plans and timelines. And it felt like from one day to the next, we were in a different reality. So what we kind of had planned for, um, how we would keep things moving forward, districts were shifting. We started out, I would say, I want to say maybe the last week in February, um, hearing from our district and school partners about how they were approaching the challenge and what their thinking was. And we really, as their partner, wanted to align with them and, and how they were uh, looking at what was coming up. But I think once, I want to say maybe like March 5th hit, it just went into warp speed. And we were struggling to keep up as they were. We went one day, no, the districts are not closing. That was on a Thursday to a Friday morning, 7 a.m. Um, there was a board meeting, then 10 a.m., a superintendent's call, and by noon or 1 p.m. that day, uh, the schools were closing. So the progression and the speed was really a huge challenge for us. And I think we typically move really fast. We're pretty, we're, at, we're able to kind of pivot. But this was like nothing I've ever seen before how it would shift so quickly, and not only on a local level, but on a state level. And so do you think that because the schools were so proactive, right, they were monitoring things, they were sort of, you know, really, really on the first edge of it, do you think that really helped give the organization sort of that boost that it needed to like, oh, wow, we got to get in gear, we really, we really got to, we got to be prepared? Do you think that sort of helped a lot? I think we were pacing with them. So we were really pacing our response at the same uh, level that they were. So we were not only in constant contact with our local school partners, but also our county office of education, our state office of education, and the departments of health. So we weren't just taking one kind of uh, one partner to pace after, but we were really looking across the, the whole state and local level and how do we respond to this. And we really had like three key things in mind that we were trying to um, keep at the top of mind. One is, you know, how are we going to support the safety of staff and students? So we have, you know, our staff are coming to work. We have students coming to school. Schools are not shut down yet. So what, what can we do? Can we put in more hand washing, right, for our students? So before snack, after snack, can we separate the, the classes so we don't have so many kids in one place at once? So really trying to be proactive on that front, like how do we address that? And then also, you know, for our students and our families that we serve and for our staff, because our staff, especially the staff that work with our students, often come from the same community, so they have some of the same challenges is how do we address the financial sustainability of our, our students and families and staff? And at the same time, then, how do we address the sustainability of a nonprofit during this kind of unprecedented crisis? So those three things, along with monitoring everything that was happening at, at a really fast pace, was kind of the, the lens that we were trying to put on everything as we moved forward. I, that's awesome. I, I want to stop for just a second. So explain a little bit to our listeners about very briefly sort of how Think Together interacts with the schools, what their role is. Yeah, so our staff are, they work on school campuses. They're really a part of the school community. Um, we have site level managers, whether you're in preschool, early learning, high school, elementary, middle school. We have managers that work on the campus and they're a part of that community. So 
if there's meetings that happen, they're a part of those meetings. They um, interact with the parents on a daily basis. So, uh, and then our line staff that work directly with students also work on school campuses. So we have a really strong presence in all of the over 400 schools that we work in across the state. That's amazing. And now for, you also have staff issues though as well, right? So you have uh, employees facing the schools that are interacting on the school properties, but then the organization is quite large across the state. So you've got hub offices, right? Right. We have nine hub offices, including our home office in Orange County. So, yeah, then you have to kind of manage staff's fear, anxiety. And we really early on um, made a commitment that as long as we were serving students in the schools, so if schools and County Office of Health uh, said it's safe to be in the schools, then we were going to keep our offices open. We weren't going to send office workers home and leave the most vulnerable in the field working directly with students out there. We decided to make that um, org-wide. I think that's a great message. I think that really says a lot about the organization. And I just, I love that. It's not this idea of, well, we're going to closet the top 1% of the organization Mm -hmm. at home and the rest of you are sort of on your own. It's just kind of more of a one for all, all for one. I, I love that aspect of that. Now, Talk about, I'm all about the practicalities, and if you can share to the point that you can, can you talk about some of the ways specifically that you communicated with employees? I think that's that's a really big challenge for a lot of organizations right now, and some, I have to say, are doing it much better than others. <laughs> yeah, I'd love I'm sure. to hear what, what specifically you can share with the listeners that ways you guys communicated with uh, your employees. You know, that was a big challenge because the bulk of our staff are part-time hourly, and we didn't want anyone to be communicated or to be working off the clock. So we had to be really mindful about where we posted communication and how we communicated. So our CEO, um, we sent out emails to our staff, but we also did videos. He he created some videos, um, and we put those up where our staff log in and out, Um, online. So we know if you log in, you're working. So click on this link and watch this video, read this team message. Here's resources for you to go to if you want more understanding. So we try to utilize uh, the places where we know our staff have to go to on a daily basis to give them information ongoing. We also worked with our our, uh, the teams in, in our hub offices. So how are we cascading the information? Because you know what? No matter how clear you try to be, it's like a game of operator. You think it's so clear (laughs) in this phone call, but by the 10th person, it's like taking on a whole new life of its own, right? (laughs) So we worked really hard with talking points, FAQs, out to managers, uh, daily uh, calls. We actually had twice daily calls. So we could talk through any challenges that staff were having and any communication support that they felt they needed. I, I can't stress enough, like, you cannot over-communicate in this type of scenario. If we'd had, um, what we're looking at now is an option to um, be able to text staff. So we could text them during working hours, like a quick text. But we also are relying on our, our supervisors to call staff check in with them, how are they doing, direct them when they log in to watch a video, read a text. And then we have a learning, uh, an LMS, so online learning, and we would assign them videos to watch during their shifts that would also um, come from our CEO and home office. 
So we try to approach, like, you know, being mindful of don't work off the clock, but we want to communicate with you. So how can we make it available and how can we make it um, accessible? And I don't just mean accessible from, like, where you can access it, but accessible in a way that this translates into um, providing you valuable valuable um, news that you need from the organization. I, I think that's that's awesome. And I love the practicalities of that being where they are, you know, being where the employees are, where it's easy to access. And I think it kind of, you kind of delved into it a little bit, but I think that, you know, in a lot of places, a lot of people, this is like the first full week of this working from home environment that some people are used Mm -hmm. to, some people are not. And you mentioned um, learning activities and things like that. Is that sort of uh, what you're doing with regard to, uh, keeping the employees engaged and, and managing this remote work? Yeah, I, see, I would say we're at the front end of that. So we have plans to keep them engaged. Um, right now we're focused on our staff. Uh, we want them to be able to reach out to our families and our school partners. And we want to find out how our family is doing, how our students doing, what kind of support can we provide you, and looking at, you know, do we provide something that our staff uh, do online for students? Do we connect with them that way? Do we do packets maybe that families could um, pick up when uh, they're able to? So we're looking at it from a staff perspective and then also from a student and, fa- and our families that we work with. And I would say we're in the kind of planning phase of that. Again, we thought originally Friday of uh, last week, I think it was, it may have been maybe Monday, we thought school districts were going to open up uh, like a, a center where families could come for support, but now we know that that's been shut down by the governor. So, you know, we're just, again, the fast pace and how things are, are, are moving forward quickly and evolving. We're trying to keep up with that and yet plan for the future. And it feels like, you know, this is going to be maybe a new normal where you may be on quarantine for a while and then maybe not, and then on quarantine for a while. So trying to think through, like, what does that look like? How do we keep staff engaged? Ironically, February is our annual time where we do staff engagement surveys, and we normally look at the data in March. So we still want to move forward with our plans like we always do, but kind of knowing, like, this is a different way to keep staff engaged when you can't really talk to them and sit down with them and grab a cup of coffee and chat about how their day was or, or how their lives are. It's different. Yeah, I, th- I do think it's I do think it's this new norm. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear more from Tia about navigating this new normal as we work through the workplace impacts of COVID-19. Stay with us. We'll be right back. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. We are going to be hosting a series of COVID-19-related podcasts upcoming. We'd love to hear from you. 
Share your perspective on how you or your workplace has handled the COVID-19 pandemic. Email us at perspective at sapphirelegal.com. All of your communications with us will remain confidential and will be edited for privacy. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Think Together COO Tia Dwyer about navigating the changing landscape of the workplace in light of COVID-19. We're going to get personal, Tia. Uh-oh. Tell us how you're handling it. How are you and your household surviving all of this? Well, thank you for asking. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's it's scary, right? Like, not everyone in my household was able to keep their jobs. They were furloughed without pay. So that's like oh. a real reality, yeah, that we have to deal with. Um, not only financially, but kind of like what's the future look like and and. How do you manage that emotional support? So that's kind of like, you know, real life. My dad is 80. My mom is 78. They have health issues. So um, I don't live in the same town as my family. So keeping my family, you know, on, we have like a group family text and we try and Zoom and, you know, trying to keep people indoors that you care about. It's it's not easy to navigate um, along with all the challenges of work, but just on a personal level, right? When a friend couldn't find eggs, you offer up eggs. Like, it's what you do, right? <laughs> yes, you do. And that was such, such an appreciated thing to reach out to people in their time of need. That's right. No, I, do, I, I totally get it. You know, I am doing the same thing. I have aging parents as well. And, you know, my first inclination is, oh, I can work remotely. I could drive up there. I'm going out of my mind. Washington's like a 22-hour drive. I'm not going to drive to Washington. And then I thought, well, if I do that, I might be bringing something to my mother, and I don't want to do that. So I'm I'm going a little cuckoo myself. But I think it's important. All those things you said are just really great ways to find creative ways to to stick together and to reach out and and to stay in touch. Um, and thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate that. I want to know what you're most proud of from an organizational standpoint about how you think that Think Together has handled this, what we have is this unprecedented situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I am just most proud of the people of Think Together. Um, our CEO is amazing. He leads with his heart and he, he always guides us to put people first. And that's, you know, our staff, our students, our families. And I think I'm really, I'm most proud of that. Like, even when we're struggling and maybe we don't bring the best of ourselves, we have such a deep commitment to the mission of the organization, to our students and families. And, you know, in the state of California, which is a very, you know, California is a great state, but we have over 2 million children failing in the education system. And, you know, unfortunately, they're black and brown students and, and families and children. So, you know, that deep commitment to this huge divide that we have in the state of California, even in the midst of a crisis, it doesn't waver. Even today, we have a call every morning at 9 a.m. with all of our leaders. And, you know, part of that is like, okay, our mission is we're here to change the odds for kids. So, What's next? How do we approach that? And we do it with care. We do it with honesty in our communication. We do it with heart and passion, and we do it with honesty. And that's why I'm here 11 years. Like, it's, it really is the best people doing the passionate work for our families in California because we are, are one of the many that believe in them, and, and we want to be a part of their success 
That's great. That really is something to be proud of. That's really a wonderful endorsement of the organization. Um, as we kind of wrap up today's show, can you give us your thoughts, any cautionary tales, some words of wisdom for everyone going through kind of the same thing? Yeah, I think be kind to one another. Um, assume the best intention already today, you know, because we're working remote. It's it's new for us. We're we're super collaborative. It's not our norm. You know, people are like, well, I didn't know about that. Like, it's okay, right? Everyone's doing their best. Let's, we're going to get through this together. And I love how people are supporting restaurants and, and other organizations, but don't forget your nonprofits. Part of the reason why we wanted to keep um, our staff on board is because we know when school opens up, our, our children need us. So, you know, if you have a favorite nonprofit and maybe you haven't taken such a bad hit in the stock market, just, you know, remember your, your nonprofits as we're out there every day through uh, the good and the bad to help support our communities uh, on a local and state and global level. I love it. 100%. Well, that's our show for today. Tia, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your thoughts and experiences with our listeners. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. If you want to learn more about TIA or Think Together, you can find them on the web at www.thinktogether.org. That's T-H-I-N-K-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R.org. You can also connect with TIA via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, My Radio Angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Bersaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar. Oh, 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 oh,